Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I've got this buddy who spent a few years working as a forest ranger in the U.S. He has spun some spine-chilling yarns about his findings on the job, leading me to a startling realization. Either all forest rangers are in cahoots, sharing elaborately conceived tales for anyone curious about their work, or the wilderness is a trove of more mysteries than we can fathom. One tale that continues to occupy my mind rent-free is about this bizarre pit he discovered deep in the forest. He mentioned receiving reports about an excavated pit that fellow rangers had stumbled upon while patrolling just a gigantic, gaping hole in the middle of the woods. Being the curious type, 
He decided to investigate, and sure enough, he found the pit. A cavity in the earth about the size of a car, with an oddity at its center. A vintage record player in seemingly perfect condition. My buddy brought the relic back to the office, and the rest of the team filled the pit in. The record player became a forgotten mystery when no one came forward to claim it. A week later, they faced a reprimand from their superiors for failing to fill the pit news that left my friend bewildered. He knew he and his colleagues had done so. However, they were met with undeniable evidence to the contrary when they returned to the site. The pit was there, untouched, without a trace of the soil they had used to fill it. The only change? A vintage cigarette case now lay in its center. My friend once again filled the pit, half assuming that there was some mischief at play, maybe some ritualistic actions, but it didn't add up. Again, nobody inquired about the cigarette case, so naturally he kept it. Days later, reports came in. The pit was back. The rangers were tired of the games. They took a small security camera with them, intent on catching the pit excavator. What they found this time was a small, old, leather-bound notebook. They installed the camera, filled the pit, and left. The pit never returned. Whoever was digging it seemed to have been scared off by the camera. However, the curious part wasn't over. My friend had the collected items examined, confirming their authenticity and remarkable condition. A peculiar way for a vintage collector to store their treasures. But the strangest discovery was in the journal a newspaper clipping dated April 17, 1972, and one cryptic phrase, it worked. Another story involves a kid who emerged from the woods one day. He was slightly dirty standard for a child after a day's play. Clad in a t-shirt and jeans, there was nothing odd about his appearance. The rangers found him and took him to one of their offices to inquire about his parents, his presence there. He said he had lost his family while chasing a beetle in the woods. The kid seemed normal, but he had a unique accent, making English sound like a well-learned second language. When asked for his parents' names, he replied with K-98 and D-54. They probed for their real names, but he just kept repeating those alphanumeric sequences, confused by their questions. They tried to ask him for his parents' contact numbers, how long he had been lost, or any other identifying details, but to no avail. All the questions seemed foreign to him. Suddenly, the boy announced that he had made a severe mistake, bolted from the office, and disappeared into the forest. The rangers pursued him, but he was too swift. They searched the forest extensively, but found no trace of him. Search and rescue teams were summoned, missing posters were distributed, social media shares were circulated, and the police even got involved at some point. But the child was never seen or heard from again. After searching extensively and covering as much terrain as possible, they found nothing, not even a footprint. Everyone braced for the inevitable moment when worried parents would show up asking about their missing child. But no one ever came. As time passed, the search efforts waned. The boy's story became a missing person's report with only a generic physical description to go by and the unusual names of his alleged parents, K-98 and D-54. Among the rangers, it became somewhat of a taboo topic. Nobody wanted to ponder the grim possibilities of where a child lost in the woods might have ended up. 
Yet, even with a scant hope of ever uncovering the truth, my friend holds a firm belief. That boy was not merely lost, but somehow purposefully placed in the woods. He entertains the possibility that the kid might have been a product of an extraterrestrial entity masquerading as his parents. It's a peculiar case indeed, and one shrouded in an aura of suspicious activity. After the search died down, any mention of the incident on social media was pulled down. Documentation that had been released was suddenly redacted. Everything about the case to this day reeks of fishiness. But these are just two tales from my friend's time as a forest ranger. There's no shortage of eerie stories he's shared with me over the years, and whether it's all a grand inside joke amongst rangers, or the woods truly hold inexplicable mysteries, I may never know. All I do know is that his accounts have left me with a newfound sense of wonder and a dash of unease about what lies hidden in the depths of our forests. It was back in the early summer of 1991, mid-June or perhaps early July, that something truly strange happened on my family's 300-acre property, located about a mile north of Cape Perpetua, near the coast of Yahats, Oregon. I was driving down our private access road. There were some hikers further ahead, enjoying the tranquility of the dense woods surrounding us. That tranquility was abruptly shattered when a massive creature darted across the road in front of them, disappearing into the underbrush as quickly as it had appeared. I can still remember how the sight of it took my breath away. It was enormous, about nine feet tall, covered in long, brown hair. But what was most astounding was the speed at which it moved. One moment it was there, standing in stark contrast to the lush green of the forest, and in the blink of an eye it was gone, swallowed by the foliage. No sound accompanied its passage, no rustling of the leaves, no crackling of the twigs beneath its weight, and there was no distinctive odor that lingered in its wake. The creature left behind a single blurred footprint. I didn't bother to measure it. The details of the print were far too vague to make out any useful information. But the sight of it, so striking in its alien quality, cemented the reality of what I'd just witnessed. The sighting occurred in the late afternoon, around 4 p.m., with plenty of summer daylight left. At my nearby trailer, I kept four dogs, all chained to prevent them from wandering off into the wilderness. Despite their keen senses, they'd shown no signs of being disturbed by any unusual presence in the forest. Intrigued and more than a little unnerved, my father and I decided to explore the area where the creature had vanished. There, deep within the forest, we discovered a small pile of oyster shells. They didn't seem old enough to be remnants of an old Indian shell mound, despite those being common in coastal areas. Confused and fascinated, I decided to share my experience with a friend of mine, a park ranger named Tim. He was a seasoned man, someone who had spent years patrolling the dense woods and had seen more than his share of wildlife. Despite being initially skeptical, Tim listened to my story and agreed to investigate the unusual find of oyster shells. I'm not sure what I expected him to say. Maybe I hoped he would confirm my suspicion about having seen Bigfoot, or perhaps dismiss it as an encounter with a rogue bear. But Tim, with his calm demeanor and sharp eyes, simply stated, The woods hold more secrets than we can fathom, Steve. We might never know what truly happened here, but that's okay. It's part of the magic. 
That encounter left me with a profound sense of Back in August of 2000, I witnessed something I still struggle to believe. I'm Jason Schaefer, a detective, and I'm about to share a peculiar encounter I had around 1.53 a.m. During a pursuit of three suspicious men in a vehicle, blocking my path in the middle of the road was an eight to nine foot tall upright figure. I slammed on the brakes and stepped out of my car, needing to reassure myself that I wasn't seeing things. As soon as I did, the creature bolted, probably at a speed of 40 to 50 miles an hour, and was clear across the highway in a blink. For more than half an hour after this encounter, I couldn't stop my hands from shaking so much that I couldn't even hold a cup of coffee. That location has been off my travel routes ever since. Many speculate that the entity I saw was some form of Bigfoot, but given the lack of other reported sightings at the time, I can't definitively say that's what it was. However, I've heard numerous accounts of what's being termed shadow people around the Atlanta area. This leads me to believe that many folks aren't reporting their encounters due to fear of ridicule or humiliation. Some may not even recognize the existence of these entities. I'm convinced there are countless people who've experienced paranormal phenomena without realizing it, due to a lack of prior knowledge about these occurrences. That's the reason I'm sharing my story here. Feel free to share my experience with your friends and family, but I urge you to keep an open mind. Thanks for taking the time to read about my encounter. My mom has worked at a small, rural hospital for about six years now. She is the ER receptionist, so she is the first person you see when you come into the emergency room the one to give you all the paperwork to fill out and such. Throughout these six years, she worked mostly nights, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., and has seen quite the cast of characters the town has to offer. Every transient, druggie, and local has passed through that lobby, and she has seen each one at least twice. But one night, she encountered something she had never seen before, or again since. Back in the first year, my mom was quick to get the hang of things so she was left alone to work the counter. The ER faced the parking lot, so she could see people coming in from far away and anticipate their moves. One night at about 2 a.m., she was working on her computer, looked up, and was surprised to see two people standing there. A man and a woman, just standing there, staring at her, and she stared back. The parking lot was dark, no car in sight, and they just appeared. After a long moment, they came into the lobby and went right up to the desk. My mom said the alarm bell started going off in her head that something wasn't right. For one thing, they were very tall. The desk my mom sat at would come up mid-chest to an average person. With these people, my mom could see the pelvic bone of the woman. They were dressed for hot weather because it was summer. They were also very skinny, and my mom emphasized this very dry-looking but they didn't look like your typical druggies. The woman kept stroking her neck with long fingers, saying she had a sore throat. My mom, for the first and only time, didn't say a word. She just looked at them. A word kept repeating in her head, Stregoy. As my mom looked at them, the woman looked to the man, looked back at my mom, then to the man again, the whole time just smiling and stroking her throat, and said to the man, 
Do you think she will let us through? Or should we go somewhere else? My mom stayed silent as the woman repeated the pattern of looks. Then they both smiled at my mom and left. Almost after, my mom texted me, asking if vampires needed permission to enter places like hospitals. I told her, since she was technically the person to say who went back to the ER, they would need her permission. We both knew that Strigoi was a type of Romanian vampire mythos, and that was the word she kept hearing in her mind. She has never seen that couple again, and we still talk about what happened, and it does make me wonder when I hear about stories of black-eyed children and other tales of vampires, what did she see that night, and how close was she to something? Unreal. There's something unnerving about finding unexplained photos on your phone, even more so when they appear to have been taken in the dead of night while you're sleeping. It started with the update to iCloud. I noticed a picture I didn't remember taking. The timestamp was 1.58 a.m., a time when I was sound asleep. The photo was mundane, unremarkable, and slightly blurred. It captured the garbage can near my bed, a half-empty bottle of liquor, and the edge of the fan whirring softly in the corner. Just an ordinary, cluttered snapshot. I might have shrugged it off as a glitch or an accidental click if it wasn't for the second photograph that popped up moments later. This one was marked 1.59 a.m. What struck me as odd was that there was no visual data. The screen was pitch black, void of any identifiable elements. It wasn't a photo, but an audio recording. The recording was flagged as being five seconds long, but it seemed to extend inexplicably to around 10-15 seconds when I played it. The sound was eerie. It was like the rustling of dried leaves, suggestive of someone or something walking in the woods, followed by intermittent bangs and a strange distortion. The kind of distortion that made your skin prickle and your mind conjure up images of shadowy figures lurking in the woods. I've never been one to scare easily, but the whole thing was unnerving, to say the least. A creeping sense of unease had started to settle in, and I couldn't help but feel like I was being watched. The sensation was heightened when a cabinet in my house swung open on its own yesterday, creaking loudly in the silence of my kitchen. The normally comforting familiarity of my home seemed to have been replaced by a sense of intrusion. I've been trying to rationalize it all, coming up with logical explanations. Perhaps I sleepwalked and somehow managed to operate my phone. But the audio recording didn't fit with this theory. I live in the city. There are no woods around for miles. The inexplicable extension of the clip's duration added another layer of mystery to it all. I'm not scared, not exactly. But there's a sense of disturbance, a feeling of an unseen presence. And as much as I want to ignore it, to brush it off as my imagination running wild, I can't help but admit that I'm getting more and more creeped out. This is a mystery I need to unravel, and soon. I was on a hunting trip with my father when I was about 14 years old in Georgia. I was in my own spot and my father was in his own about a mile off. It was black powder season and I hear the boom of a black powder rifle go off in the direction of my father's spot. I start heading that way to help him field strip the deer. About a half a mile away, I then hear my father screaming, help, help. 
I immediately book it as fast as I can through the swamp and briars quite slowly, because of how thick it was while my father yells the entire time. I just knew that he had either fallen out of his stand or his old black powder rifle had exploded and injured him, and I was thinking of what I would do when I got there. Neither of us had cell phones, and we were a couple miles away from any phone. The yelling goes from help to, it's okay Bubba, I'm okay. Bubba is my nickname, which is also now my son's who thinks it's his actual name. In the span of about five minutes, a couple minutes later I find my father, lying almost fully submerged in a creek with a massive ten-point buck laying on him. My father believed to have shot this deer, climbed down from his stand, got to the creek when this deer came out of some brush and gored him in the arms. He fell into the creek with a deer's antlers stuck in his arm and was able to drown the deer on behalf of it being stuck. It turned out the shot had only hit the deer in the leg and the deer charged him when he came down to look for it. Most people never believe me when I tell this story and I probably wouldn't either had I not been there. I have the head of that mean some bitch hanging in my office. It was a beautiful summer day, and my family and I decided to have a picnic at a scenic spot known as Deadman's Pass, located off the old highway near 84. Little did we know that this innocent outing would soon turn into a spine-chilling encounter that would test the limits of our understanding. As we settled down and began enjoying our meal, one of the kids noticed a figure across the ravine in a small meadow near the forest line. At first, we thought it was a black wolf, peacefully observing its surroundings. Intrigued, we focused our attention on this enigmatic creature, curious to see its behavior. For several minutes, we watched in fascination as the figure remained motionless, swaying back and forth. Its dark silhouette against the backdrop of the meadow made it difficult to discern its true nature. But then, something extraordinary happened that shattered our assumptions. The figure stood up, towering over the landscape, and that's when we realized it was no ordinary animal. It was massive, easily measuring at least 11 feet or even taller, and it moved in a peculiar manner, somewhat stooped over. Its sheer size and posture defied any logical explanation. In awe and disbelief, we witnessed the creature take a few giant strides, disappearing into the dense woods just to the right of its position. It covered a considerable distance in just a few steps, something that no bear could ever accomplish. It was a sight that left us breathless and filled with a mixture of wonder and unease. Being born in Washington, I had heard tales of a mysterious creature known as the Dogman. I had even seen the Patterson-Gimlin film capturing a similar being. What I witnessed that day in Deadman's Pass bore a striking resemblance to those accounts and the iconic footage. The encounter played over and over in my mind as we packed up our belongings an air of excitement and trepidation lingering around us. It was a rare glimpse into the hidden realms of the unknown, leaving us with more questions than answers. Later, I couldn't resist sharing our experience with a park ranger who was stationed nearby. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Their face grew serious as I described what we had seen. They listened intently, acknowledging that our encounter aligned with other reports they had received over the years. I was canoe camping in Algonquin Park with my teenage nephew. Sunny afternoon on Sylvia Lake. No other campsites and a dead end as far as tripping routes go. We decided to take a leisurely paddle. He spots a red-tailed hawk perched in a black spruce near the shore, so he does the teenage thing and yells, hey, at it. One steamboat, two steamboat, and we hear, hey, weird. No formations that I can see that would produce an echo. I said, do it again. Hey, hey, same result. The canoe is still moving, and he tries a third time. No echo. Then, about four seconds later, hey, I, I. He looks back at me as if I am to explain what's happening, but I'm at a loss. There's nothing in the direction from where the echoes are coming. I'm weirded out thinking that there's some loony out there that's been stalking us. My dad went hunting out in the Pennsylvania game lands and set up in a tree very deep in the woods. It was about noon, but the area was a bit dark from the shade of the thick forest. He described it as a boggy, swampy part. He noticed a storm was about to roll in and figured it'd be too dark or rainy to hang around much longer. So as he's thinking about leaving, a ten-pointer just rolls up within a very close range. I don't know what is considered close, but he shoots him. The deer drops dead. That was the point of him telling the story. Where it gets weird is as soon as he shot the deer, a man walked right past the deer. He didn't look at it. He didn't pay any attention to it. He wasn't wearing hunting apparel. The area isn't one for hiking since, well, it's a game land and he was deep in the boggy woods. My friend's dad swears there is absolutely no way the man didn't see a deer drop dead in the direction he was walking in. The man was no more than five yards away from the deer as he walked by it. And just like that, the man seemed to disappear and quickly as he appeared. He still continues to hunt. I'm not sure I would have, but I don't hunt. It was a warm summer evening, and I, Jocko, sat on my warm wooden porch, the wicker chair creaking slightly under my weight. My eyes scanned the surrounding wilderness as my hand gripped a cold beer. Retired life was a stark contrast to my days as a Navy SEAL quiet, tranquil, predictable. But sometimes the past has a way of resurfacing when you least expect it. As I stared at the setting sun, my mind took me back to a mission I hadn't thought about in years. A covert operation, we were a team of five, the best the SEALs had to offer. Our assignment? To explore a sunken artifact, discovered at the bottom of the ocean, its origin unknown and possibly alien. I could still feel the chilling bite of the ocean as we plunged into the icy darkness. We swam towards the ominous shape of a craft lurking in the depths, the hull gleaming faintly in our torchlight. As we made our way inside, our flashlights cutting through the abyss, we realized we weren't alone. The creatures came out of nowhere. They moved through the water with an elegance that belied their gruesome appearance, 
their bodies human-like but horribly distorted. They watched us with vacant eyes, seeming to blend with the shadows. Our rifles were useless under the pressure of the ocean, and the creatures came upon us with a predatory hunger. And then we found them ten bodies suspended in a twisted form of stasis, their lifeless eyes staring back at us. It was a sight that still haunted my dreams, a grim reminder of the fate that awaited us. I remember the sharp sting of betrayal when we finally found the artifact. It was a fake, a chunk of bronze cunningly disguised. Our hopes were shattered, and with them our morale. But there was no time to grieve. We had to escape. Yet the craft was a labyrinth, its halls echoing with the cries of our unseen enemies. I fought, driven by pure survival instinct. But one by one, I watched my brothers fall. By some miracle, or perhaps some cruel twist of fate, I was the only one to escape, emerging from the depths to gasp the sweet, life-giving air. My triumph was short-lived. They came for me, men in suits, faces hidden behind dark sunglasses. Their words were cold and uncompromising. The operation was secret, they said. I was to never speak of it. The weight of their words sunk deeper than any ocean. I took a long sip of my beer, the bitter taste grounding me back to reality. I may have retired from the Navy SEALs, but the memories, they never truly retired from me. Last fall in the vast expanse of Bridger-Teton National Forest, I embarked on an unforgettable journey with a group of friends. Our road trip was not centered around hunting or any particular purpose. Rather, it was a venture fueled by our shared love for exploration and the great outdoors. Our destination was set, and with a friend en route to Jackson Hole Airport, we secured a coveted spot in the Spread Creek dispersed camping area, nestled within the embrace of nature's tranquility. As we set up camp and made preparations, a fleeting thought crossed our minds, urging us to ascend the hill and seek solace in higher grounds. However, a collective decision swayed us to remain in our chosen site, content with the natural beauty that surrounded us. Little did we know that this choice would lead us on a path intertwined with the enigmatic and the unknown. Returning to our camp after retrieving our friend from the airport, we were greeted by an unexpected visitor, a sizable dogman-like creature, bipedal with dark fur, emerged from the very spot we had claimed as our own. A mix of awe, trepidation, and respect washed over us as we observed the majestic creature in its habitat. It was a first-time encounter for most of us, a moment that left us slightly uneasy as we settled into our tents for the night. The following day dawned, and as we began the process of packing up our belongings, a group of National Forest Rangers made their way up the trail towards us. Their arrival brought with it a sense of urgency, as they informed us that the campground would be closed shortly after our departure. Their words hung in the air, hinting at an incident that had taken place nearby, but they divulged no further details. Intrigued and unnerved by the ranger's cryptic message, we couldn't help but wonder what lay concealed just beyond the ridge. Little did we know that the missing girl, whose disappearance had garnered national attention and ignited countless headlines, had been found merely a quarter mile from our campsite. The intertwining paths of chance and fate had brought us to a place where the echoes of tragedy resonated, unbeknownst to us until that moment. 
As we departed from that serene haven, our hearts heavy with the weight of the unknown, we carried with us an indelible reminder of the fragility of life and the enduring mysteries that lie within the realm of the wilderness. Okay, you might not believe me, but me and my two other friends were staying the night at, let's just call him, Jerry's house. We were talking about going out at nighttime to see anything, because our town has a lot of scary stories and legends. We went out, and we were all on edge, and we heard a couple sounds that scared us most likely just radiator noises and branches cracking leading to us to run inside. We went to Jerry's room, and we all looked out Jerry's window. We didn't see anything for a while, but when my other friend, we'll call him Bodhi, said he saw something outside peeking from the side of a tree. We all looked at the direction he was looking, but me and Jerry couldn't see anything. Then Bodhi refused to look out again because the sight of the thing was burned into his mind. I couldn't see it, so Bodhi described it to me. After I looked back through the window, I saw it myself. I can only describe it as extremely skinny to the point you could see its bones, and it had an extremely bulbous head that was large enough to be bigger than its entire body. This is what lead me to think it was the Dover Demon. Jerry went to get his binoculars, but couldn't find them. We tried to take a picture of it, but the only time the camera would focus, the monster wasn't there. In fact, the entire tree was missing. It was there for a while after when trying to find something else to get proof, but it left soon after. I know the camera not working is kind of a cliche excuse, but I put it on everything. We really saw it. The secluded and dangerous part of the National Forest was our sanctuary, my refuge from the monotony of everyday life. I'm Jack, an avid hunter, and I had a tight-knit troop of five friends who shared my passion for the wild and the thrill of the hunt. Our adventures in this untamed territory were the stuff of legends, but one particular hunt would etch itself into our memory like a scar, a mark that could never be erased. The dense forest was home to wild wolves and bears, making it a challenging and perilous hunting ground. We'd always taken precautions, but this time we ventured even deeper into the heart of the wilderness, where the dangers were greater and the odds more unpredictable. It was a crisp autumn day when we set out, rifles in hand and determination in our hearts. As we trod deeper into the woods, a sense of trepidation hung in the air. The towering trees cast long shadows and the silence was only occasionally broken by the distant hoot of an owl or the rustling of leaves. Our loyal dogs, a pack of seasoned hounds, sniffed the ground and growled uneasily sensing something amiss. And then it happened. A shadowy figure emerged from the dense underbrush. It stood on two skinny hind legs, its arms so impossibly long that they reached the ground like a gorilla leaning backward. My heart pounded in my chest as I locked eyes with this grotesque creature. Its spine was crooked, giving it an eerie, unsettling posture. It resembled a terminal anorexic bull, its deformed face lacking horns but sporting a shaggy neck mane. Its skin was an eerie moonlight gray, and its eyes shone with an unnatural, otherworldly light. Fear surged through my veins as I realized the creature was real, not some figment of my imagination. Panic spread among my friends, but we were hunters, and we knew we had to defend ourselves. Our rifles were our only hope. 
The creature attacked with a speed and ferocity that defied its skeletal frame. In the midst of the battle, two of my friends fell to its relentless assault, their screams echoing through the forest. The rest of us fired our rifles, bullets tearing into the creature's grotesque form. It howled in agony but pressed on, its malevolent eyes locked onto me. Desperation gave us strength, and we continued firing until the creature finally collapsed to the ground. We watched it with a mixture of relief and horror as its body twitched and convulsed. Blood pooled around it, staining the forest floor. But then, as we cautiously approached to examine the fallen predator, a chilling realization washed over us. Its body was slowly evaporating, dissolving into thin air before our eyes. We stared in disbelief as the moonlight gray skin faded into nothingness, leaving behind only a faint, lingering scent of something otherworldly. Confusion and fear gripped us as we exchanged bewildered glances. What had we just encountered? There were no answers, only questions that lingered like a haunting specter in our minds. We retreated from that cursed place, carrying the memory of that inexplicable encounter with us. The forest held secrets beyond our understanding, and that night we had brushed against the boundaries of the unknown. As we mourned the loss of our friends, we were left with a chilling reminder that some mysteries were not meant to be unraveled, and some horrors were best left forgotten. When you move to a new place, you expect surprises. New faces, new paths, new experiences. But when my brother and I moved into our new house, we discovered something we could never have anticipated. The house was nestled against expansive backwoods, an open invitation to exploration and adventure. Being nature enthusiasts, we were thrilled by the opportunity to have our very own wilderness to traverse. We laced up our boots and decided to explore our new playground one sunny afternoon, not knowing the chilling encounter that lay ahead. Our hike led us into a quaint open grass field, a startling contrast to the dense woods we'd just navigated. An island of green amidst a sea of trees. There, in the center of this unexpected meadow, was a figure hunched over in a blue jacket. We assumed it was a friend we'd made recently. I didn't have my glasses on, but the familiar blue jacket seemed a good enough sign. So, with a grin, I jogged across the field, excited to surprise our friend. As I approached the figure, I soon realized our mistake. It wasn't our friend. It was a man, a stranger. He was crouched over the carcass of a deer, brutally jabbing at it with a blunt stick. The sight was macabre, a horrifying scene framed by the serene beauty of the meadow. I froze in place as the man raised his head, his eyes meeting mine. Fear took hold, adrenaline pumping through my veins as my heart pounded against my ribcage. I turned on my heel, shouting at my brother to run. The joyful exploration had turned into a terrifying chase as we sprinted back through the woods. The memory of that day still sends chills down my spine. The tranquil beauty of our backwoods forever marred by the unsettling encounter. We learned something important that day. Our new home held surprises all right, but some were far more disturbing than we could ever have imagined. January 1st, 1992. It was the early morning, and my wife and I were making our way back to Sandy from a fun day of sledding at Mount Hood. 
We were about six, seven miles from government camp, Oregon, when something caught our attention. As we rounded a curve, we spotted a figure standing in the foot-deep snow near the creek. Intrigued, I decided to stop the car and get a closer look. I walked over to where the mysterious being stood, but as I approached, it gave me a disdainful glance, as if telling me to back off. Without further hesitation, it crossed the road and swiftly ran up a nearby bank. I stood there, mesmerized, for a total of three, four minutes, trying to process what I had just witnessed. The creature was truly awe-inspiring. It stood between seven to eight feet tall and had massive thighs and a remarkably broad waist, perhaps indicating that it was pregnant. Its arms hung down, extending to its knees, and its face was devoid of any hair. The skin on its face had a light leather color, while the rest of its body was covered in dark reddish-black hair, with patches of chocolate hues mixed in. The hair on its body was approximately two, three inches long, while the hair on its head reached around four inches in length. The encounter left us both intrigued and curious. We wanted to explore further, so on the 2nd of January, my friend Scott and I, along with a group from Salem, ventured back to the area to see if we could find any traces of the enigmatic creature. One of the members of our group diligently tracked the Bigfoot for four or five miles through the treacherous, snow-covered terrain. The snow was often four feet deep, making the task even more challenging. Eventually, however, the tracker had to give up and return, unable to keep up with the elusive creature. During our expedition, we managed to capture photographs of the distinct string of footprints left behind in the snow. These images served as evidence of our journey and the encounter we had experienced. It was a thrilling adventure, tinged with a mix of wonder and fascination. To this day, that encounter remains etched in my memory, serving as a constant reminder of the mysteries that surround us. The photographs and the stories we shared serve as testaments to the existence of creatures that defy conventional explanations. It was a glimpse into a world that exists beyond our understanding and it sparked a lifelong curiosity in me to unravel the secrets of the unknown. I've been hesitant to share this story, but it's been weighing on my mind for over a year now. It's a strange occurrence that happened one morning, and I still can't find a logical explanation for it. So here goes. I should mention that I'm a heavy sleeper, relying on multiple alarms to wake me up in the morning. Sudden noises around the house rarely disrupt my slumber. However, on this particular morning, something happened that jolted me awake. I heard my mom's voice shouting, For God's sake! The sound came from the hallway, just outside my bedroom door. At first, I assumed she was scolding our cat for getting into some mischief. Feeling groggy, I chose to ignore it and attempted to drift back to sleep. But before I could fully succumb to slumber, I heard the creaking of my bedroom door opening. My mom entered, her face filled with concern. What's wrong? she asked. Confused by her question, I rolled over and replied, Nothing. I didn't say anything. Her expression became even more bewildered, and she insisted, But you shouted for me. I couldn't comprehend what she was saying because I knew I hadn't uttered a word. In fact, I never sleep talk, neither before nor after this incident. It simply wasn't something I did. 
The situation grew stranger when I realized that we both heard each other's voices saying completely different things. It was as if there were two parallel conversations taking place. How could this be? It couldn't have been an external person since we live alone. So who or what could have spoken those words? To this day, this baffling incident still unnerves me. I've racked my brain trying to find a rational explanation, but nothing seems to fit. If anyone out there can shed some light on this or has experienced something similar, please share your insights. I'm eager to find some semblance of understanding and put this eerie mystery to rest.